Good morning, John. I thought this was going to be a fun video, but it's not. I'm sorry. It took a turn. And it ended up making me real mad. So join me on this journey. In 2005, a group of 25 guys rented a commercial property in the center of Fortaleza, Brazil, and dug down underneath it, tunneling more than 250 feet to a bank vault. On Saturday, they broke through the vault, and on Sunday, they removed 3.5 tons of 50 real banknotes. A total that converted to today's values is around 100 million dollars. This was, depending on how you count, the largest bank robbery of all time. And it's basically nothing compared to the largest thefts of all time. For those, I had to look beyond what we think of traditionally as theft. For one, it turns out that wasn't actually the largest bank robbery in history by a long shot. For that, we turn to 2015, when a group of hackers in China, Russia, and Europe were able to extract somewhere between 300 and 900 million dollars from a bunch of different banks using pretty common malware techniques, and none of them were ever caught, and none of the banks released how much money was stolen, and none of the money was ever recovered. And I didn't even know about this. It happened like four years ago. But of course, the biggest thefts turn out to not be from banks. They're doing just fine, actually. The biggest thefts are from people. The list of very big scams is very, very long, but let's look at the case of Gregor McGregor. During the mad rush of Europeans attempting to get rich by investing in South America in the 1800s, Gregor claimed that he was the Kazik of Poyais and began taking investment in a country that did not exist. Now, this wouldn't be quite so brazen if he hadn't put hundreds of his investors onto two ships with women and children sailing free and then sent them over to Poyais, where they arrived in an untouched jungle where most of them... Died. So the murder angle makes this one a biggie for me. When the Poyais bond market collapsed, because it didn't exist, $4.5 billion was wiped out. Let's put that on the graph next to the biggest robbery of all time. And yet, even that ain't much when compared to Bernie Madoff. He ended up stealing around $20 billion. And he did not just steal from rich people. A lot of the money invested with him was from pension funds who were just trying to make money so that people retiring could live. But here's where it really went south for me. Instead of individual one-off crimes, I decided to look at property crime in general. All robberies, all theft, all burglary, all auto theft per year added up is less that Bernie Madoff stole. Now this is per year, Bernie stole over a number of years, so that's not really a fair comparison, I guess. But since we're adding stuff up and looking at property crime, let's also add in the largest category of property crime, wage theft. That's when an employer steals a worker's labor by not paying them their legally required wages and benefits. Per year, somewhere between 20 and 60 billion dollars of labor is stolen from workers in the US. More than Madoff stole, every year. More than all other property crime. More than every stolen car, burglary, shoplifting, all that stuff combined. And yet, while there are hundreds of thousands of law enforcement officers who work on all those property crime bits, there are around a thousand who work on wage theft. And the companies doing it find it more efficient to pay the fines than to actually pay their workers, as Walmart has done 96 times in the last 20 years. I myself know about wage theft because I actually got a wage theft settlement after working for Walmart for a summer. So John, the biggest theft of all time? It's one that is ongoing, that everybody knows about, that has profoundly more impact on the already disadvantaged, one that most people have been a victim of, and one that almost no one has ever gone to jail for. That is quite a heist. I'll see you on Tuesday. Hello, welcome to the show. The little darlings are quiet right now, so I thought I would log on and record a quick show about wage theft. 
disclosure, I have been a victim of wage theft. Um, not necessarily in the same regard that I'll be talking about it here, because this attacks the very much the lower people, but I did in, have it impact me greatly in my life. And I also, after the incident with Intel, I have only worked minimum wage part-time kind of jobs. Everything from pet sitting, dog walking, <laughs> all the lovely jobs. Anything to escape working for psychopaths. So anyway, so um, yeah, I mean, there's wage theft going all over this country. YouTube has never paid me one penny. Why not, you ask? Well, just the way it worked out. I went into negotiations with them in good faith. They continued to screw with me, and I had to pack up and just leave. Yeah, they collected all that money on all those ads they ran on my channel all these years. They just refused to give it to me. I'm not going to litigate the whole deal here right now, but yeah, it impacts all of us in many, many different ways. I mean, Intel stole my work you know, in the 90s, and I had to sue them, which took me five years to accomplish. The silver lining in that was my eyes became alerted to the fact that psychopaths are running the world. Now, of course, at the time, I thought they had their efforts just focused on Silicon Valley, <laughs> but if you followed me for any amount of time, I've been diligently trying to record them all. Let's talk about wage theft, okay? There's been, um, and I will just give you some overview today, and all you have to do is type in two words, wage theft, and take it for a ride. And if you're in another country outside the United States, I would be extremely interested in hearing how wage theft happens in your country. It is a rampant issue here. I've said for years, it's better to use a pen, a writing pen, than a gun. No blood. They have the laws rigged, so let's talk about this in general. United States Postal Service is one of the largest employers of black workers caught stealing wages. The post office has long been one of those good government jobs with solid pay and benefits, creating greater economic opportunity for black workers. But the trusted employer has been skimming off the top of people's checks. Even in the best of times, workers in industries like construction, apparel, food, and domestic work can have trouble collecting some or all of the compensation they are due, especially if they are people of color or women, or lack American citizenship or union. Well, I don't agree with the union representation, but anyway, that's what they say. But during a recession, the problem known as wage theft tends to increase significantly. According to a paper released by the Washington Center for Equitable Growth, it's a liberal think tank, the rate at which workers suffered violations of minimum wage law increased almost in lockstep with the unemployment rate during the last recession. Well, we're entering a major recession right now. The feds yesterday finally fessed up and said that there's inflation. Wow. Okay. On average, the workers on the receiving end of these violations lost about one-fifth of their hourly wage. I've been there. I'm still there. And, yeah, that is a big, big deal, okay? So, um, for the past four decades, the majority of American workers have been shortchanged. Four decades, right? What's that from the 
60s, 70s time era. <laughs> the majority of American workers have been shortchanged by economic policymaking that has suppressed the growth of hourly wages and prevented greater improvements in living standards. Achieving a secure middle-class lifestyle has become increasingly difficult as hourly pay for most workers has either stagnated or declined and I'm not even going to get close to the fact that minimum wage laws don't ever get um, dealt with in this country or we would be here all day. So for millions of the country's lowest paid workers financial security is even more fleeting because of unscrupulous employers stealing a portion of their paychecks. So Wage theft, the practice of employers failing to pay workers the full wages to which they are legally entitled, is a widespread and deep-rooted problem that directly harms millions of U.S. workers every year. Employers refusing to pay promised wages, paying less than legally mandated minimums, failing to pay for all hours worked, or not paying overtime premiums deprives working people of billions of dollars annually. Like I said, more effective to use that writing pen instead of a gun, right? You write the rules, you make sure you got it rigged. It also leaves hundreds of thousands of affected families, workers, and their families in poverty. In the 10 worst populous states in the country, each year, 2.4 million workers covered by state or federal minimum wage laws report being paid less than the applicable minimum wage in their state. Approximately 17% of the eligible low-wage workforce. Okay, look at it this way, okay? Do you think people working two and three jobs are really reporting any of this stuff? So I would take these numbers as being extraordinarily low because, I don't know, <laughs> hey, I've, I've walked with these people, okay? I know what it is working several minimum wage jobs and stuff. You don't have time to go around and sue people and stuff. Give me a break. They know who they're targeting. This is all a direct targeted impact, okay? The total underpayment of wages to these workers amounts to over, well, I can't get a real number on the, it's billions, okay? If the findings for these states are representative for the rest of the country, they suggest that the total wages stolen from workers due to minimum wage violations, just the minimum wage violations, exceeds $15 billion per year. And what are those Indians making on those casinos? What, $30 billion a year? Cha-ching, cha-ching. Okay. Workers suffering minimum wage violations are underpaid an average of $64 per week, nearly one quarter of their weekly earnings. This means that a victim who works year-round is losing an average 3300 per year and receiving only 10500 in annual wages. Young workers, women, people of color, and immigrant workers are more than likely than other workers to report being paid less than the minimum wage. And this is primarily because they are also more likely than the other workers to be in low-wage jobs. In general, low-wage workers experience minimum wage violations at higher rates across demographic categories. In fact, the majority of workers with reported 
wages below the minimum wage are over 25 and are native-born U.S. citizens. Nearly half are white, more than a quarter have children, and just over half work full-time. The 10 most populous states, Florida, Ohio, New York, Pennsylvania, Texas, and there's a couple other here somewhere. Um, I think you kind of get the idea here, right? The poverty rate amongst workers paid less than the minimum wage in these 10 states is over 21%, three times the poverty rate for minimum wage eligible employers, uh, workers. Assuming no change in work hours, if these workers were paid the full wages in which they are entitled, less than 15% would be in poverty instead of 21%. Well, I don't think... Uh, it's really they're they're splitting hairs here, right? Saying, oh well, if we cheat if we cheat them, it'll only be fifteen percent. And remember, these are likely much higher numbers, okay? So, they have this thing called the Fair Labor Standards Act, FLSA. It was enacted in 1938, established the basic protections that have governed work in the United States since the Great Depression. With regard to pay, the FLSA put a floor under wages and a ceiling over hours through the creation of the federal minimum wage and provisions for overtime pay. A limit on the hours per week employees may work without receiving additional compensation. That was enacted by Roosevelt in 1938. Oh, as a man of the workers, right? That FDR, what a guy, what a guy. I used to wonder how we had so many ugly first ladies. <laughs> Cats out of the bag now, folks. They're all men. <laughs> that Eleanor Roosevelt, what a dog she was, right? They just pulled her straight out of the laundry basket and threw her up in front of us as the first lady. <laughs> you know, and some days I don't know what else to do but laugh. I, I just really get it at a loss, <laughs> a loss for what else to do. Okay. Unfortunately, over the past several decades, this was since FLA, FLSA got in place in 1938, it has been inadequate or too infrequent to keep pace with changes in the economy and employment. Look at the numbers for the U.S. government, what they do to keep seniors from getting cost of living increases. They do all kinds of crazy gymnastics. I think they live, leave out things like cost of food and housing. <laughs> I mean, they do actually a very amateur way of rigging the numbers in this country, okay? But, hey, it's been working for a long time. It's been working for a long time. So, anyway, so yeah, they never increase the minimum wage. I'm not going to go through that whole horror. Um, so, they have, um, this is the shocking part here. Additionally, in recent decades, employers have increasingly adopted business practices that have weakened the scope of protection afforded by the law. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, but I almost fell over into state of shock. You mean in the last few decades, since what, the 70s, they've been screwing people right and left by the new laws? No wonder millennials all live in basements, right? What they're doing, which is really interesting, um, they, bury, they bury the workforce, okay? So what you do is you contract out some of your work and what that does is that gives you plausible deniability right how would i know that that company over there was secretly spying on all of my customers i only contracted them to do this portion of the job 
I am not responsible. That is their company. So you have to go sue them. See, plausible deniability, right? That's why they contract out a lot of these things, both to get cheap labor and also because you start to separate yourself from any issues that might arise in the future. <laughs> so, yeah, so it, the actual term for this is called fissuring, F-I-S-S-U-R-I-N-G. It refers to the practice of companies contracting out various functions that were previously done in-house. In such arrangements, unscrupulous employers, well, I guess that covers 99% of employers in the United States, right? Be it the subcontractor or the contracting parent will sometimes use the multi-layered or fissured nature of the employer-employee relationship to attempt to avoid responsibilities when workers allege mistreatment. <laughs> so if you want to look further today, look for um, fissuring, F-I-S-S-U-R-I-N-G, and see how that impacts everybody. So I'll just give you a few examples of the theft, and then that will pretty much wrap this up here. Oh, and then I want to talk a little bit more about the post office, because it's a really big employer. What's wage theft? Okay, minimum wage violations, paying workers less, um, overtime violations, not covering their overtime, off-the-clock violations, asking employees to work off-the-clock before or after shifts. You know who does a lot of that is Walmart. What they do with their employees is they have them sit in a room off-the-clock until they have more peak customers into the store, and then they are allowed to punch their time clock. Now, how they get away with this is a mystery to me because I had an employee dispute um, when I was doing consulting, and I lost the case, <laughs> and I really wasn't doing anything wrong. <laughs> it was a crazy case, and um, I wasn't cheating anybody. As a matter of fact, I had overpaid this worker, and um, my attorney told me because I had to go, I couldn't go with an attorney. I had to go on my own to a, a, some kind of meeting with the labor department and um, he told me when I told him what the case was about well when this dispute happened with this person I was pretty angry okay and I said a couple of things I shouldn't have said but that didn't have anything to do with them cheating their time system and all that <laughs> but anyway so <laughs> I didn't owe them money I had everybody on the honor system okay when she had problems with her children she just took off time from work and put it on her timesheet right I wasn't out to get anybody but they got me on a violation and when I went before this judge my attorney said to me he said the first thing the judge will notice is the city that your business is in and it's a pretty rich city okay um, it was Los Altos and he said I would highly suggest you take your checkbook with you. <laughs> so, so anyway, so during this hearing, this employee, what did she show as proof for me being this abusive, abusive employer, right? Well, he asked her what hours were in dispute. She told him that she amortized hours over time in her head and jotted down a few notes. So, the ruling came against me. Why? Because even though I only had a few employees, it was a consulting business, I did not have a time clock on the premises for employees to punch in and punch out. <laughs> yeah, so, the laws are rigged for them, okay? 
So they get meal break violations. They can get pay stub and illegal deductions, taking things out of your paycheck. They really get the tipped employees. They confiscate tips from the workers because they can only pay tipped employees like $2 an hour. So they have workers legally in the last several decades coming and going. And I'm not going to even get into the enforcement part of this. Here's the thing. They know that they can steal, what, $40 billion and maybe only have to pay back $1 billion? That's what gets factored into this stuff. They factor in that most people aren't going to fight them, okay? We're not evil fighters. Psychopaths set up deals that are they win, we lose. Most of us prefer deals that it's win-win on both parties' sides. I will not engage in a negotiation that is a win-lose one, but that is their preferred method of operation. So anyway, so yeah, the tip workers, whole other deal, you can look up that stuff. It is just, it's disgusting, okay? It's disgusting. Um, <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. And it's all after the low-wage workers and the women. So let me scroll down here to the um, post office. Um, the post office. The post office doesn't want to pay overtime. They've been robbing the post office for years. The post office actually isn't losing money, but they've made it just like Social Security. They they have robbed, <laughs> they have robbed all of these assets. Okay, they're running on fumes at this point. The postal service and stuff because these people have robbed it all. And if you want to know more, go look. It's not that hard to figure out where they've been stealing and how they've been stealing. So. Yeah, the post office um, cuts deals with Amazon. It reduces rates. They do all kinds of stuff. But what they do is they throw it on the backs of the workers, okay? So um, what they say is that the post office doesn't want to pay overtime now. So the, the postal general guy who came in as a friend of Trump's or some I mean, they're all idiots, okay? They're all psychopaths, gypsy Jews. No one is different than the rest of them. They just have gotten aggressively worse. And it makes more sense to me now because from what I'm reading in all this research, this stuff got kicked into gear in the 70s or so. So it has not been a figment of my imagination, but the psychopaths have gotten a lot busier in the last few years. Let's put it that way, okay? So, yeah, so there's some very sad stories here about USPS. Um, look up USPS um, worker fraud. Um, it was the... Um, you know, they know what they're doing. Wage theft in the garment manufacturing, another huge thing. Immigrants. Okay. The U.S. Post Office is one of the leading employers of minorities and women, with minorities comprising 39% and women comprising 40% of the workforce. 21% of employees are African American, which is very high compared to other ratios to have that high of an African American. Because for many years, it was viewed as a good, stable job. <laughs> so let's close this off with the, the, the psychopath that's in charge now. A guy named DeJoy, D-E, capital J-O-Y. Real ugly woman. Um, anyway, um, the U.S. Postal Service paid its top executives more in bonuses and perks last year than at any point in the past decade. This was last year, as in last year, not last year, 10 years ago. <laughs> adding up 370,000 in extra income and four of his deputies, four of his deputies, of course there's four of them, right? 
DeJoy, yeah, he's a DeJoy, got a $75,000 performance bonus in fiscal year 2021, plus about 56000 other perks. Yeah, you know, he made, all in all, he made more compensation than Josephina Biden. Um, let's go, Brandon. Be safe out there. Goodbye for now.